I often jog through the graveyard at St Edberg's Church, you know it, just in the centre, in Bicester. And yet I'm often oblivious to the reality before me. So here I am, jogging through the graveyard. The other morning, uh, I was on the thin path that uh, just, just winds itself uh, through the graveyard to the other end, to the, uh, the gateway. Uh, and a cyclist was on the same path and came around at a blind corner uh, and I jumped out of the way right onto a grave. Uh, and he kept going and I said, oh, sorry, sorry, mate. And then onto the path uh, I went uh, and it hit me. There are hundreds of dead people right below my feet. Now, it's pretty obvious you're sitting there thinking, yeah. But it hit me at that moment. There are bodies that used to have life and breath. Bodies that used to do the things that I do now. Walk around Bicester. Enjoy Coffee One or the Fat Zebra, uh, which is now where we frequent. And now they are no longer living, breathing. See, in this series, Matthew wants us to be real about life. He records Jesus' teaching at the end of the last chapter of the wise and the foolish builders. You know this, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, the beginning of verse 8, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, uh, what has Jesus been doing? He's been teaching. He's been preaching. It's the most famous sermon that ever has been. And you know the words that he finishes with. What are you, a wise builder or a foolish builder? You're wise if you make your foundation something that cannot move, something that's solid, something that is always going to stand the test of time and stand the storm, the inevitable storm that is coming, death. And you're foolish if your foundation is built on anything but this firm foundation that will keep you when the storm hits. And Jesus finishes the most famous sermon. Uh, By simply saying, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man. You're wise if you listen to the words of Jesus and build your life upon them, especially in the midst of the great storm that is coming your way. You see, there's a universal human condition that we cannot escape. But it seems to be that the world that we live in, we become masters of avoidance. We don't see the reality or we don't want to see the reality. It's like an ostrich. We're ostriches who bury their head in the sand. By the way, ostriches don't do that. Uh, They just peck to make their nests. We were just talking about being in the YOC, uh, Young Ornithologist Club. We we, we weren't talking about this, but uh, David was an avid fan and he was a member of the YOC Uh, As was I, and we were just discussing. Uh, And uh, ostriches don't actually do that, but they've got the name um, for doing that, burying their head in the sand because they actually peck because their nest, they can't fly, their nest is on the floor. You know the saying, bury your head in the sand like an ostrich. What do you do? You avoid the reality before you. You ignore it. You pretend that it isn't even there. And in Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 to 17 specifically, we'll look over these verses in the next two weeks, the first four verses today, and then we'll go on uh, in week two. They present to us four stories of sickness, of decay, uh, 
of disease, of death. And Matthew isn't showing us that this is the result of something specific that an individual has done. This isn't the result of one specific sin that now God's judgment is upon them. No, no, Matthew is here to show us that this is the result of a universal problem that originated at the fall. It's the result of a broken relationship between mankind and God resulting in his judgment over the whole of mankind. You see, the whole world of creation, the whole of creation is groaning, groaning. There's brokenness, fractured lives, sickness, decay, death, sigh, prayed into those things. And God has answered our rebellion with judgment. It is only when we come to terms with the brokenness of life and the reality of death and God's judgment that we shall begin to see how vital and universal, how universally significant is the work of Jesus. That is Matthew's big picture block for our series. So let's home in on the first story. Let's deep dive uh, on the story, the encounter of the man with leprosy who met Jesus. Two points. Here's the first point. The universal problem is the judgment of God. See, large crowds are following Jesus. He's just come down uh, from the mountain. And Matthew zooms into one encounter. A man with leprosy came. Leprosy was a catch-all medical term for serious skin diseases, not small rashes, not just a a blotch on the leg after you've uh, trampled through a load of nettles, serious skin diseases. Those who had it were considered as good as dead. And as a sufferer's condition deteriorates, the skin becomes scaly and white And in places, falls off. It's horrible. It's really horrible. See some of the pictures uh, that will appear on the screen. See, the sufferer takes on a position of a dying man or a dying woman. They were known as the stench of death. In the Old Testament, Aaron says about Moses' sister Miriam who had leprosy. Numbers 12 verse 12, he said, Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away. You see, to have leprosy was to be under the sentence of death physically. Death was just round the corner. You were a dead man walking. If you had such a disease. But it was also to be dead in society. Socially. Lepers were cut off from society. Seen as unclean. Not to go near. Not to go close. There were certain places where a leper could go. And a certain place where a leper could not go. Could not go inside the city walls. Wherever they went on the road. They had to call out. Unclean. 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 They often had a bell that was tied to some part of their body, of their clothing. 
When they walked, of course, inevitably it made a sound, a bell. The leper was coming, a dead man walking. If you went close to him, you were deemed as dead too. See, the presence of this leper amongst God's people was a reminder of the painful picture of God's nation and the world that was out of relationship with the life-giving God. And in our mind's eye, as we picture the scene, the call of his voice, unclean, 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 the sound of the bell, are clear reminders of the universal condition of humanity. A condition that flows from living in a fallen world under God's judgment. All of us, touched by the reality of the imperfect world. All of us face disease, decay, death. See, the reminders come thick and fast. And Matthew's here to tell us to get our head out of the sand. To see the reality before us. Not to walk out of town church, of course, as the gathering and be depressed about life. But to be conscious of what life now is. On a beautiful sunny afternoon at Wimbledon is Katie Bolter. Won her third round match. Did you see that? This is for my grandma who died two days ago and she couldn't say another word. It's the reality of death. Is it Shinzo Abe, the ex-Prime Minister of Japan, assassinated in the street? As war still rages in Ukraine and yet perhaps we're tired of hearing about it or seeing the images and so the media no longer send them across our airwaves. As so many of us in this church family have had family members or good friends With infirmities, conditions, with breaks, with disease. As many of you have had family members and good friends who in the last four and a half years as town church has been, have died. The heartbreak of death, the tragedy, the bitter, bitter taste that you've all tasted at some point. See, all of us have touched, we've touched the reality of an imperfect world. We face disease, we see decay, we know that death is inevitable and we are ostriches if we just stick our heads in the sand and think, no, 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 not today, no, 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 not this week. Just enjoy the sun, just forget, carry on, crack on. And here Matthew is helping us not to pretend. Don't pretend that this isn't happening. Oh, of course, we don't need to get caught up on it and be depressed by it because we don't need to pretend. We don't need to hide. We don't need to deny the reality. Why? Because the second point in the story is the universal solution. It's the Messiah. So if the universal problem is the judgment of God, the universal solution is the Messiah, the saviour from God. And so look as the leper came and knelt before him, 
And he says those words, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The king has come. The long-awaited Messiah, the only one who has an answer to the world under the judgment of God. See, we live in a day when God's solution to disease, decay, death, sin and judgment is universally open and available to all who submit to the divine, divine authority of the chosen king. Look at the posture of the leper. He kneels before the Messiah. You know, the word knelt is the same word used when the wise men worship before the manger. You see, the leper, he he recognises the divine nature of Jesus. And look, the leper doesn't say, if you are able, you see the words he uses, if you are willing. It's not, oh, oh, if there's half a chance you can do this, Jesus. It's not that. He says, if you will. I know you can. If you will. Listen to these words from William Taylor, whose commentary has been wonderfully helpful. Captures the moment beautifully. Listen carefully. Concentrate for just a moment with me. He says this, the split second pause between verse 2 and 3 must have appeared an eternity to this poor man. But it was not only the leper whose future was dependent upon Jesus' answer. As we wait for Jesus' reply, it's as if eternity hangs in the balance for the whole of the human race as well. For if Jesus will reach out and touch this unclean man under the shadow of death, then there is hope for humanity, enveloped as we are by the shroud of death. If not, Jesus has no solution to the human condition. Verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand to the leper who is kneeling before him. And I imagine looks him right in the eye. I am willing. The chosen depicts this beautifully if you've not seen the chosen See it. It's the leper and he falls on his knees. Look what Jesus does. He touches the man. This leper known no human contact for years. No holding hands on the way to the park with his children. No hug from his wife. No fist bump or handshake with Mike at the door. No hand of encouragement or care. On a shoulder from a good friend. No touch. This is Jesus. The long awaited king. The one who was willing to humble himself. To touch lives under the judgment of God. To speak tender words to a world riddled with disease, decay and death. Words full of compassion. Full of kindness. Full of mercy. I am willing. You see, he's come with the whole power of God to reverse the sentence of death. This is him. He's now come. He's here. 
And we see it in the account for the leper. And immediately this story is to catapult us to the cross. We see it in the account for the leper. And then we see it in all of us at the cross on which Jesus died. You see the sentence of death. The sentence of the judgment of God was still met. But it was met by Jesus. He took on the full weight of the punishment of my sin. Which means death no longer has a hold on me. His death equals my life. His death equals my life. Well, how are we, how are we to respond? Perhaps three ways. There are many ways to respond to such a story. Here's the first. Would you go to a graveyard this week and remind yourself of the reality that we all face? You are not invincible. One. Second, look, I, I just know we've got to keep holding out this message of good news, not as a demand, not as a duty, to think evangelism is a chore or something we've got to do to be a part of town church. No, definitely not. But out of compassion, as we face the reality of those whom we do life with. And third, see, Jesus told the leper not to tell anyone. Of course, after what I've just said, I'm not going to say, so you go and be like Jesus. No, no. You see, his time had not yet come. The Messiah wasn't announced to the world, but the leper had to go to the temple to offer the sacrifice, present to the priests as a testimony to them. Let's read those words exactly in verse four. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. As a testimony to them, maybe two parts. Of course, part one, knowing that a righteous, holy God can only accept those who are clean. And therefore, the leper going to the temple was to fulfill the Levitical law. He is now clean. He can now be with people, God's chosen people. He was now accepted. So go, says Jesus to the leper, as a testimony that that's what God not just desires, but demands. People who are clean. But secondly, go to the priests as a testimony to them that their job has now been done. They're out of office. The long-awaited Messiah has arrived. The priest is no longer needed. The priest cannot now mediate for the people when the king has come. And the king says, I've got an answer to the world that we live in. A world under the judgment of God. I've got an answer for it. I'm here and I will deal with it. He has come with the power of God to reverse the sentence of death. 
So with that in mind, here's the third point. If the first is go to a graveyard, if the second is to keep holding out this truth to the reality of people, friends, family who don't know Jesus. And yet the reality is they're under the shadow curse of judgment. Here's the third point. It's to respond in praise to him today. Isn't it? To bow before him as the leper did. Knowing that Jesus is already willing. He's shown it already. It's not that we have to come to him and and beg him. Because he's done it. And he's shown us on the cross that he is willing. Here's our third response is simply to praise and to thank him. Thank him that he was willing to become death so that I might have life. Oh, praise the name of the Lord Most High. So friends, don't go through this week like an ostrich, head in the sand, pretending that all of life is fine. Enjoy this week and all of God's goodness and grace. Enjoy all his good gifts. Enjoy The people that are in life, of course, do that. But don't use those things as a pretense or as a way to hide from the reality of life. The world that we live in is under the judgment of God. And if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus, you're saved. You're his. Know that. Cherish it. Delight in it. Let your affections be driven towards King Jesus, who said, I'm willing. And he died for you and for I. Let's sing together. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus that can save us from this judgment that we're all under. This rebellion of the whole of mankind that God out of his holiness must judge A world that has rejected him. Thank you, Father, that it's nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus that saves us. Let's stand and sing this song in response to him.